All right, everyone, welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast. My name is James. I'm your host. And today is episode 37. So for today's episode, we're going to take a trip to Wyoming to check out one of Wyoming's oldest bars. And before we dive into that, I wanted to take a minute to thank all of you for finding the show, for listening today. It really does mean a lot, and we're so happy to have you here. And as always, if you like what you hear on today's show, make sure you give us a five-star review wherever you find your podcasts and tell a friend. That's really going to help grow the show and really help people find us a lot easier. So Miners and Stockmans, it's an old bar and steakhouse in Hartville, Wyoming, Hartville has a population of 62 people, and so really small town. And we're going to interview Christine and Scott Harmon. They are the current owners of Miners and Stockmans. And for the longest time, this was an establishment that was only a bar. It catered to a mining community and miners that lived and worked in town. And over the years, they've transitioned into a full-service restaurant and uh, steakhouse. So (laughs) we'll talk more about that adventure uh, when we get to their interview. Before I did, I want to talk a little bit more about Hartville because this is one of those towns that just has that, uh, that historic nod to what we all think of, what we all romanticize as the Wild West. And it really was the Wild West. It was a mining community, and it was named for Colonel Verling Hart. And he was a soldier that was stationed at Old Fort Laramie. And Hartville was incorporated in 1900, although the settlement was established back in the mid-1880s when Wyoming was still a territory. In its heyday, Hartville was a wild, rip-roaring mining town, the entertainment stop for prospectors mining the nearby copper and iron ore mines, uh, soldiers that were stationed at Fort Laramie, and cattle drivers that were driving their cattle herds on the trails, and ranchers and ranch hands from surrounding area. And at one time, in addition to business commonly associated with Western mining towns in the 1880s, Hartville's business sector boasted gaming halls, an opera house, two newspapers, livery stables, cafes, bakeries, mercantile stores, coffee houses, and no less than 13 saloons. That's right, 13 With their false fronts, stone walls, and unique graves, many of Hartville's remaining buildings and its cemetery preserve the community's history. They stand as a testimony to the many folks, especially Greek and Italian immigrants, who worked at the nearby Sunrise Mine and Hartville quarries. Today, this quaint, picturesque community, nestled in the pine and juniper-lined hills of Eureka Canyon, has two operating businesses 
the Hartville Post Office, where every February the postmistress affixes the special Hartville Valentine Station cancellation stamp on outgoing mail posted at the Hartville Post Office to points all over the United States and the world. And of course, the Miner's Bar, which we're going to talk about today. Hartville is a lovely bedroom community for young families, retirees, and summer home owners. The town is a short distance from the north entrance to uh, Guernsey State Park, and it's situated on a scenic drive to Devil's Tower and the Black Hills. Now, Hartville was first settled in the 1870s by prospectors who are mining for gold, silver, copper, onyx, and iron. At the turn of the century, it was a thriving city. Several of the stone buildings and those constructed with false fronts still stand today. The stone-built town jail held many a character in days of yore and is one place you don't want to miss. Today, Hartville is populated by retired miners and a few young families. The original cemetery, Boot Hill, is crowded with the bodies of men who died wearing their cowboy boots. Gunfights really did take place on Main Street. Now that is the short blurb that's written on Platte County, Wyoming on their webpage. And, you know, there really isn't a whole lot out there when you search for Hartville, Wyoming. It's a really small town and there really isn't a whole lot. It's not a destination place. However, in the past few years, with miners and stockmen's and what they've been doing with steaks and the quality of the food, it has become a destination place. People from all over come for one of the best steaks you'll find anywhere. So today we're going to talk, like I said, we're going to interview Christine and Scott Harmon. They are the current owners of miners and stockmen's, and they're going to get into the history of the town Uh, typical Wild West town with gunfights, prostitution, saloons, anything you would think of from watching an old John Wayne movie. And uh, and then they're going to talk about how that business has evolved to where they're at today. So without any further ado, here is Christine and Scott. Yeah, let's go ahead and dive right in. You know, first I wanted to thank you for doing this interview today, and I'll have you go ahead and start by introducing yourself. Okay, well, um, my name is Christine Harmon, and my husband, Scott, we have Miners and Stockmen Steakhouse and Spirits. It's Wyoming's oldest bar in Hartville, Wyoming. Great. So, oldest bar, uh, how long have they been doing food? Well, the oldest bar, the bar back, is what is absolutely the oldest in the state. Uh, The building itself is one of the oldest bars. The building was 1905, but the back bar was uh, 1862, and it was originally hand-carved in Germany and then came to the U.S., obviously shipped to New York, trained to Cheyenne, horse and buggy to Fort Laramie, and it was originally in the Officers Club in Fort Laramie. The fort closed about the late 1880s, and it came to Hartville. And originally, before it was in the bar, it was uh, next door to the bar was an opera house, which was also um, had prostitution because that was the Old West. And then it came to the bar 
to miners and stockmen's um, after that. Great. So definitely some history there for sure. What was miners and stockmen's like at the beginning? It was a Wild West bar. Everything was uh, very much like almost cliche old Western bar. And it was because Hartville, you have to start with, you know, Hartville is the oldest incorporated town in Wyoming still in existence. And it like, came to life, so to speak, because there was mining around here. And in fact, there was a mine was about a mile away that was, they mined iron ore. And it was a mining town or mining camp. And they had houses for their employees and everything. Um, but it was a dry town meaning no alcohol. So basically, all the miners would come down to Hartville to sin. And in, in its heyday, there was, in Hartville's a little tiny town, in its heyday, there was like 11 bars, and um, they were running 24 hours a day because of the shifts of the mine. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, prostitution, and it was, it was a very cliche old western ladies of the evening it was an old western town very much like one would hear the old stories of right that's kind of an interesting thing i i did an interview with the snake pit in idaho and they're the oldest operating restaurant in idaho and very similar history very similar past um you know from railroad and mining to through prostitution and (laughs) and prohibition and you know to where they ended up today when did things start to change with miners and stockmen's from maybe more of that cliche image of a wild west bar to where it's at today as you know bar and steakhouse well the mine closed in 1980 and then the population around here started declining because obviously the mining jobs were gone and currently hartville has 62 people is the population and the restaurant it became a restaurant from the bar changed over about 2010 and became a steakhouse then and it was a steakhouse for about a year and a half then it closed was up for sale was for sale for a couple years and then we bought it so we have been here six years and making steak and we do only steak it's all we have and it has been good enough, thank goodness, that um, people drive from all over to come and eat with us, and that's what we depend on, because in a town of 62 people, you can imagine that's probably not going to support a a big restaurant. No, that kind of tends to be how small towns work, right? Yes, indeed. We were talking a little bit about the history of miners and stockmen's, and Real quick, I know you are just hopping in the interview. I'm going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself. My name's Scott Harmon, and I am the other half of this proud establishment. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So how did you both get started with miners and stockmen's? Well, we came out to visit my brother-in-law, brother-in-law and sister uh, who owned it at the time and just for a visit, and it was for sale, and six months later, here we are. Well, that's great. So with a place like Miners and Stockman's, there's a lot of history. And obviously, I believe from our conversation, a lot of the longevity has to do with the fact that it was a bar for so long in a mining community. Has there been anything else that you can think of that has contributed to the longevity on how Miners and Stockman's has been able to stick around for so long? 
People drink. <laughs> this is Wyoming. <laughs> it's gone through a number of owners over the years, and people try different things over and over. And uh, it was my, uh, it was actually my sister and brother-in-law's dream or brainchild to turn it into a high-end steakhouse, and it worked. And they uh, ended up with too many things to do, and decided to put it up on the market and we watched it and wanted to uh, change uh, careers, I guess, and just decided to go into the restaurant business. How's that been going for you? It's a lot more work than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're open four days a week and you think, oh, only open four days a week is not going to be so bad, but it's a lot of work. We make everything from scratch and Scott has got quite a talent for cooking and we always did do a lot of cooking but he has he makes steak better than i would say probably just about anybody it's interesting to see how often that happens uh another gentleman that i was interviewing on a basque restaurant in nevada he was a a longtime career banker and similar thing family member approached him with this you know historic restaurant and finally convinced him to do it and he, he made the plunge and has just been loving it ever since you know just a very unique change and shift yeah ours was kind of opposite um our, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law had had it for sale for about two years and they tried to talk us out of buying it <laughs> <laughs> because it's about it a high-end restaurant in a town of 60 people and so they really did try to talk us out of it but uh scott was insistent he was no, we we left uh, Southern California. Scott was looking for particularly something a little more slow-paced, less traffic. Mm -hmm. And so we bought it, and think, but with the grace of God and Scott's talents, it's working. Yeah, that's incredible. Growing up, I used to go camping with my grandparents every summer, and we would travel all over the West from Southern California, and I would, we would always drive through these small towns, and I always... I always had a dream and always wondered what it would be like to live in a small town. And, and uh, I finally got to fulfill one dream from when I was a child, is I'm living in a small town. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd imagine that's quite the change, going from Southern California to a town of, you said, 62. Uh, yep. What has that transition been like? Depends on which one of us you ask. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, took me a little while to adjust to uh, winter. Mm. Winter here is no joke. Yeah. Yeah. And we live in the warm part of Wyoming. <laughs> they call it banana belt down here. Oh, really? And we moved in, uh, we moved in, and we got here December 31st, 2013, and it was my goal to get here before 2014, and we made it by about six hours. <laughs> and it was in the middle of a pretty good storm. And after about a week, uh, Christy made the comment that, boy, I hate having to put on a week's worth of clothes just to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that Miners and Stockman's has been passed around through many different owners over the years and that they've all kind of tried something, uh, maybe their unique spin, if you will. What have been some of those? Are, are there any that really stand out that might be a little crazier than others? Not really. There used to be a lot of... There's. Uh, I have a, a picture someplace where, where uh, 
the manager at the time said he had the best fishing stories ever and come sit down and listen to his fishing stories. <laughs> and there was a gentleman when we were first putting it together that the back, it didn't used to have food. All it was was a bar. And there were people uh, that the, the people that ran the bar actually lived in the back end of the bar. And, and it was an apartment where our kitchen is now. They just, uh, it, went from a residence slash bar only to uh, what it is today, I guess. With all of those changes, I guess with the fishing stories, you might need some alcohol to get through that, right? (laughs) I I guess that might have really helped his business. I don't know. (laughs) Right? You better make it a double. Exactly. (laughs) You mentioned ghost stories. Uh, That piqued my interest. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of ghost stories in Hartville in general, and particularly here, um, we've had more in the, more ghosts in the past, and it, things will move. The lights go off, and no one, and the light switches down. No one's near the lights. Um, chairs move. We've had things like that, or where you feel someone pass behind you, and you're like, oh, excuse me, and there's no one there. And then it, I had the I called the priest to come and bless the building to help if somebody wanted to move on, to help them move on. And then some of the action went to a lower level. But we still have things. And like last summer, we had an Indian gentleman, I don't know what tribe he was from, but he was American Indian, come in and said he could see we had, we had a ghost in the back. And it's like a Friday or Saturday night, we're packed. And my server comes in the kitchen with, there's a guy that says he can see our ghost. And yeah, and he told us about what he was wearing and everything, and he said some Indian chant to help him move on because he was waiting for a girl, and he explained to The ghost was, not the Indian. Yeah. And the ghost... the Native American, we have to say that right. The gentleman explained (laughs) to the ghost that the girl had moved on already, and he was going to help him move on, and he... That was interesting. And then we get... Then when he walked out and was leaving, my husband, Scott, went out to um, introduce to meet him. And he looked at the building across the street, Kitty Corner was abandoned, and said, oh, there's a woman with gray hair in the window there. So there's lots of stuff, and it's not scary. We don't, I mean, it's not scary. There's nothing bad. Um, They're just letting us know that they're here. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you knew going into it not particularly we knew there had been like little stories right and one of the stories in the past was about hearing piano playing when there's no piano in here mm-hmm. um but we just kind of thought it was you know like you hear stories but it's real and it's fine and some it's not a problem and they've not done anything that's like harmful or mean or scary so just everybody lives gets along. Miners and Stockmans, today it's a high-end steakhouse. What can I expect on a typical visit? The best USDA prime Black Angus steak you've probably ever had. We have a limited menu, just steak, and we make everything, almost everything from scratch, our salad dressings, our soups, everything. And we just want it to be just where you just come in and have 
a great experience from start to finish, from the food and the service and and the ambiance and the history. That's what we would hope you would expect, and that's what we really hope we deliver. We have a, a, a large clientele that comes from probably 200 miles, and I'll have people call me and say, are you going to make your tomato soup this weekend? And I'm like, well, I hadn't decided yet, but, yeah, I'll make it for you. And so that's <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of times because we I, I make the soup every week from scratch, and a lot of times that soup depends on who's called and asked for what, which mm-hmm. is, is kind of neat. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of people too that come in. Uh, or actually, one gal in particular, she's like, "Well, the steaks are really good. I don't want to downplay them, but those vegetables every week just seem so fresh." And and there's a there's a family that comes in, and one girl is just all about the steak, and the other girl, she's like, "No potatoes. Just give me as many vegetables as you can on the plate." So it's not just the steak; um, it's the the whole. The whole deal is um, great from start to finish, in my honest opinion, or in my humble opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I always love a good steak, and when it comes to steak, what would you say sets yours apart? Is it the quality of the meat or how you cook it? Starts with the aging. Uh, If you don't have, uh, if if your beef isn't aged properly, doesn't matter what you do to it, it's not going to be as tender uh, as it could be. So, uh, all of our beef that comes in, we have a, a very stringent aging process that before we get it, uh, that's where it starts. And then, um, from there, it's a matter of picking the right, uh, the right pieces for the right person. It's like, I get to know my customers and I know what they like. So I can, I can go through all the steaks I have and I kind of, I kind of pick and choose what I have for the clientele that we have. It's, yeah, a lot of times they'll just put the, the customer's name on the ticket, and I know exactly what. It's <laughs> like, okay, I know what to do for that person. It just, uh, I'm very particular. It's like, a, uh, I don't know, almost like an art to me, cooking a steak. And how I do it, I don't know. It just kind of comes naturally. It's just something I've always done. He's been cooking steak for 50 years. <laughs> started when he was seven so i've given you his age now Uh-oh. that's incredible i have a seven-year-old and i couldn't imagine him cooking a steak that would be worth eating <laughs> well my grandpa my grandpa was uh, i was raised by my grandparents and my grandpa had me doing just about everything as early as he could he was mm-hmm. it was a very uh um hands-on upbringing it's like i was in the garage with him all the time i had a a welding torch in my hand at seven or eight, nine, and uh, it, he just thought, well, if you're if you're tall enough to reach the grill, you're you're tall enough to cook, to, <laughs> to flip it. it. There was no, it, you know, if you burn, if you step on a hot coal, well, then there's a lesson for you. You know, it, it, <laughs> a hands-on. Um, if you hurt yourself, you hurt yourself, but I bet you won't do that again. Kind of upbringing. So what were you doing before you got into the restaurant business? Uh, I was a high-rise mechanic. I worked on uh, domestic water booster systems and uh, basically uh, anything that moved water around in a building. There's all kind. Uh, you could call it a millwright, 
slash electrician. Um, basically, I kept buildings running, uh, high-rise buildings running in the Southern California area. Which help, his knowledge helps very much when you have a restaurant effectively 100 miles from the next uh, big town. Yeah, I have to take care of mm -hmm. all our refrigeration needs here, or repairs and maintenance and all that. So it does come in handy. Yeah, no, I bet that would be a, a great background. And what would you say would be your biggest adjustment? You know, you transitioned from, uh, I guess, being a, a home cook and doing it for yourself, family, friends, to now doing it for a community. What has been the biggest or hardest transition in that? I don't cook the steaks because Scott did transition to that beautifully. I was mom the cook where it was I cooked it, you eat it, and that does not work in a restaurant. <laughs> I guess, I, I don't know, but when the kids were all in school, all their friends would come over, so I was kind of used to cooking for 8, 10, 12 kids at a time because they all like to start their when they were in high school, their John, wherever they were going to go, they liked to start at our house so that they get fed. <laughs> <laughs> Solid strategy. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know. For, for me now, I don't, I don't know if it was so much of a transition going from cooking for a small number of people to a large number of people. Um, now it's kind of the opposite. I, don't, I almost don't even remember that. Um, it's it's like if I don't cook a big old pot of soup or a big old batch of potatoes, it doesn't feel right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's basically doing the same thing for a larger number. And it's like if I only, if I'm not peeling 20 pounds of potatoes and I only have to peel a couple, it just doesn't feel right anymore. I don't know. <laughs> and right. I almost don't even what it was like just cooking for a couple people yeah <laughs> yeah you have that opposite problem now you cook for you for you and your wife and you end up with a month's worth of food right there from one meal oh yeah <laughs> so where can people find out more about you guys well we are on social media you know we have a facebook page where we post the things that what's going on and different desserts and whatnot and we have actually, um, we, have a, we put an ad in True West once a year for their travel edition, which was, I guess, April of this year. And we are, have Yelp, and we have a website, wyomingsoldestbar.com, which just kind of has a little information, has our menus on it. And people can always call us. We love it when people call and ask us questions. That's what we do. Yeah, well, I really appreciate our conversation today. You both have been fantastic, and I enjoyed getting to learn a little bit more about what you guys do and the history of miners and stockmen's. Well, thank you very, thank you very much. much. All right, special thanks to Christine and Scott for coming on the show and for sharing a little bit about miners and stockmen's, one of Wyoming's oldest bars in one of Wyoming's oldest towns and one of their smallest towns. So uh, when you get a chance, if you're ever heading through Wyoming, make sure you take the detour, get up there, try one of those steaks. It just sounds absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, Scott's been cooking steaks his whole life. He knows what he's doing, and he'll, he'll make it worth the trip. Absolutely. So special thanks to 
Scott and Christine for coming on the show. And make sure you check the description for links to their website and social media so you can find them easily. I'll make it easy for you. Well, that's all I have for the show this week. Again, if you like what you heard, make sure you leave a five-star review. That's really going to help grow the show. And super appreciative of people that have been leaving reviews. Uh, it, It really does help improve the show, helps people find the show. And as always, again, if you like what you heard, make sure you share it with someone and uh, let them know where you found it. There's a lot of history floating around on this podcast specifically, and it caters to a broad audience, so there's something for everyone here. And uh, make sure you share that. You can find out more about Toasty Kettle at ToastyKettle.com. That's where I have family recipes, vintage recipes from the 1700s and the 1800s, as well as the early 1900s. And then, of course, past podcast episodes you can read the write-ups you can listen to the show there you can also find me on facebook and twitter and instagram at toasty kettle make sure you check us out until next week (laughs) 